0: Welcome to the Mom Docs Podcast. We are three chiropractors on a mission to empower moms and dads to intentionally choose health for their kids and families, to provide core principles to raise their families holistically, and to help parents take an active role in their family's health. Our goal is to provide families a philosophical approach to healthcare that steps away from the conventional and supports true health. Okay, welcome back. We are super excited that you're joining us today. Um, In a previous episode, we talked about natural family planning and the pill. And now we're going to switch gears and talk more about infertility. Um, It seems like infertility rates are on the rise. Um, I know personally in our clinic, we've seen an increase in the number of women that come into our clinic who complain of having infertility or difficulty conceiving. And really, we just want to get into that today. We want to kind of dispel myths. We want to talk about conventional treatments for infertility and really looking at the body as a whole, like holistically looking at what infertility actually is. It's not a disease, but really how we can approach it naturally to get the body you know, back to where it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be fertile. We're supposed to be as women. We're supposed to be able to conceive um, and have babies uh, without outside help. And so we're really gonna attack this because I feel like there are a lot of emotional things that can be um, attached to this as well. And so all three of us are really gonna speak to this in our own experiences as well. But If we really look at infertility, it's really just defined as being unable to conceive after at least one year of trying, and this is according to the CDC. So some people don't get pregnant on the first try. It does not mean anything is wrong. I know, Sarah, you're going to speak to this just a little bit. Six percent of married women between the ages of 15 and 44 report being unable to conceive after one year. So six percent is a pretty decent number. Looking at all married women across that age group, 12% of women uh, have difficulty getting pregnant or carrying a baby to term. So maybe they do conceive, but they're not able to um, carry the baby to term. And then obviously there's a component to this process that we can't control, you know, and eventually you get to this point where we just have to trust the body's ability to do this and to go through this process. And as long as we remove the interference, which we're going to get to in just a little bit. I think we should start with talking about the emotional cost of this. I know that um, I have several friends that have struggled with this. We have patients that come in, as I mentioned, that are infertile. At least they've been told they're infertile and that maybe they have like a very, very small percent chance of getting pregnant. And so I think we should really spend some time here. I know that there have been studies that have looked at divorce in women who are dealing with infertility. Um, One study looked at about 47,000 women um, that weren't able to conceive after fertility treatments. And these women were actually three times more likely to end their marriage than those who did conceive. Mm -hmm. There's a suicide risk component. Uh, one study looked at 106 women who are going through IVF and found that the suicide risk was 9.4%, which is super high. Some other studies have looked at anxiety and stress in women who are dealing with infertility. And what these studies have found is that the, this anxiety and the stress in these women is the same as uh, people that are going through cancer that have received a cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So this is really significant.
1: I can, I can relate to that and not that, not that we had struggles with fertility per se um, or that could be clinically defined as fertility issues, but it was such an interesting season of life to spend all of these years trying to avoid being pregnant and then deciding, okay, this is our window. This is our season where we, we would like to get pregnant. We would like to start our family. And I know for, for me personally, it did not happen right away. And to me, it felt like, no, no, like I remember like counting and tracking and then waiting and waiting and waiting and just waiting for the day that my period was supposed to come and then just praying it wouldn't come and then taking, you know, the spending bazillions of dollars on pregnancy tests because I wanted to know five days earlier if I was pregnant and it's being negative and then, oh, maybe it was just too early. And then my period comes and we went through several months of that. And for me, it was just this very enlightening moment of realizing this is not just a given process. This is not just, I don't want to have a baby, I don't want to have a baby. And suddenly I decided I want to have a baby and I'm supposed to be able to have a baby tomorrow. And for me as a practitioner, this was really so um, just insightful to go through to realize that I started to question my worth as a, can I be a mother? What's wrong with me? And I mean, this was just a four to five month window that I started having these doubts. So as we were researching this and studying divorce and suicide rates, it was to me that that's very realistic because in a short window of feeling like I wanted to be pregnant and couldn't, I can only imagine the emotional burden of a a year of trying or 18 months of trying. But I do want to say that there is a a component of this that we really can't control and you can have the table set and for whatever reason, it just has to happen on timing that isn't your own. We have a great friend who's a friend between the three of us that, I mean, there was no reason she should not be able to get pregnant right away. And I think for her, it was well over a year. Um, I think one of the best things that they did is they did not attach a label to it. Just like when I work with families who have a child that is expressing signs of ADHD, the first thing I'll tell them is, don't you dare put a label on that child, This is a child that is working through adapting, so I feel like when we attach labels so quickly to things, it can really start to mess with our psyche. So um, diagnosing someone with infertility, I think, is a very dangerous and scary thing versus just saying, it's not our timing right now, and I'm going to evaluate my life and figure out what are the areas of interference that I can work to actively remove for both myself and my husband so we have our best chance of becoming pregnant, and After that, I'm going to allow this to happen on the timing that it's supposed to happen.
2: Right. And I feel like, you know, especially, you know, for our listeners right now, that if you are going through struggles with fertility right now, um, I mean, just we want to recognize, like, I feel like, you know, it's most women's dream. You know, I remember growing up, like, I could not wait, you know, to get pregnant. I could not wait to have a baby. And in today's world, we're, we're way more scheduled, right? I remember being that way too, that it was like, okay, it'll be perfect to, to get pregnant at this specific time. So that we have a baby at this specific time. So it'll be the spring and we'll be able to get outside. Like everything is so scheduled to, to Sarah's point. You know, it, it's, it's hard when all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're ready to get pregnant. And if it doesn't happen within the first couple of months, you, it's easy to jump to those conclusions of like, what is wrong with me? And what's, what's going on with this? So I think keeping in mind, like, if this is, if this is your journey right now with one of our close friends that Sarah mentioned having an outlet, like having, you know, getting connected with someone in your life, an outlet that you can talk to and experience this with, go through this with, like having someone to lean on with you through this. And especially if you're, you know, be, being a woman, find another, a girlfriend or, you know, a mom or somebody that can support you through this. Um, speaking to the stats that Dr. Aaron was mentioning, I think is is really, really important because I know it can be an emotional roller coaster. Like when it, it took us about five months, that was, the longest it took us. So again, I didn't personally struggle with this, but even within those five months, I remember thinking that fifth month, it's like, you're tracking your cycle. It was like, okay, I'm ovulating, ovulating these 14 days. And it was like, okay, and here's our window and we've gotta be, you know, having sex a lot. And that felt like a job when you're It really, really did, like, did feel like a job at one point. It's it was like really hard. like again. You're like, okay, how many more days? What's the window? When you know? And then and then like you said, after that, then you're sitting there waiting. And I bought the same things like the, the test that you can take seven days before. And I remember, and again, it was only five months, but I remember every single time that it was negative, just that huge letdown of dang it, dang it. So I, I get like the emotional struggle that this can create and just the roller coaster and the catch 22 here is. Um, like the more stressed you're out, stressed out you are, and we're going to get to some of this later. But anxiety and stress and insomnia all actually in turn end up affecting how effective your body is ovulating, and can actually in turn affect your cycle. So I know for our one friend that we're speaking of, um, finally just coming to peace with, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can to get my body functioning at its best, especially when it comes to my hormones and my natural cycle, and and then let it be on God's time, right?
0: we should probably go through just like a crash course in what a woman's cycle looks like. Um, and then we can kind of walk through where some women experience like interference to that cycle and why this could influence um, their ability to conceive.
1: Yeah. I think um, that, that'll be good too, because I remember before I understood this and I, you know, I've had a lot of science and anatomy background But I still, like, going to get pregnant, I was like, okay, we we have to have sex every day and kind of rewinding, like, wait, whoa, 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 you can't get pregnant at any moment. Like, there is, there's actually a pretty short window in which you can get pregnant and a lot has to, like, go into place. So for some people that are struggling with fertility or just struggling to get pregnant, sometimes it might be as simple as getting to know your body better, getting to understand when you ovulate more so you can increase your odds of there being an egg there to be fertilized. So I think, yeah, I think just having some basic anatomy here on on our cycle would be good for all of us.
0: Yes. So cycles are on average 28 days long. Some women are shorter. Some women are longer. Um, And really the innate purpose of a woman's cycle is to conceive. So the brain, the uterus, the ovaries communicate through hormonal signals and the nervous system throughout the entire cycle. And it's really when you look at this and you look at a woman's body, like this is super fascinating to see how intricately everything is connected, uh, how the hormones impact the body. I mean, it's just for me, it's fascinating. So in the beginning of the cycle, there's menstruation, and then you have the follicular phase. So this is the time between the first day of your period and when you actually release an egg and ovulate. Um, so the pituitary gland makes a hormone called follicle-stimulating hormone, which tells the ovaries to release an egg. The follicles produce estrogen, so the follicle is like going to release the egg, and it it's actually producing estrogen. And then that stimulates the uterus to then build its lining up in case the egg that's ovulated is actually fertilized so that it can implant and a baby can start to form. Um, So really, really interesting how these different organs produce hormones that all affect the cycle. So then you've got ovulation. So that dominant follicle, follicle in the ovary continues to release estrogen. And once those estrogen levels are high enough, the brain then, so it's just so cool. So the estrogen goes up, then the brain perceives that increase in estrogen, and it signals the release of luteinizing hormone, which causes ovulation to actually happen, causes that egg to actually come out of the dominant follicle in the ovary. And this is typically about 14 days into a woman's cycle. Again, this could be. It could be more than that. It could be a little less than that. But that's roughly um, kind of the average time it takes for that egg to be released. So once that egg is released, then we enter the luteal phase. So that follicle that released the egg becomes something called the corpus luteum. It's like a sac that produces progesterone and estrogen. So if that egg that was released is fertilized, then the progesterone will aid in helping the, the embryo develop. Okay, so it's going to aid in early pregnancy, and then if fertilization doesn't happen, then the sac breaks down, and the whole process kind of starts over. We we start our period, and then we you know it just starts over. So that's just a crash crash course. I know I I kind of like was a little bit sciency there. I know Sarah, you wanted me to explain this like as if I was talking to like. Uh, my child, but it, it is, it sounds like complicated, but really that's just like how the hormones work together. Now, I think understanding that is super important because then it helps us understand the different conventional methods, um, kind of the medical models approach to someone who's, who's having interferences in their cycle. So maybe they've got An OB uh, monitoring their cycle, monitoring their hormones throughout that entire process, throughout that 28 day cycle. And they can see, okay, you know what? You didn't have enough progesterone released um, to allow for, you know, an embryo to actually develop into a baby. Or, you know, you're not actually ovulating. There was no egg released. And so that's, we're kind of looking at the body. So the conventional mindset is looking at the body as like a machine. And so one part is not. Um, working properly, so we're going to like address that part that's not working properly, and that's kind of the conventional mindset behind it.
1: Which anyone um, anyone who listens to this podcast would really quickly know that our stance on this is that there's never just one thing that's malfunctioning, and that is the sole thing that's malfunctioning, which is why even so many conventional methods people spend. Tens of thousands of dollars on, and still end up, you know, very disappointed. Um, it's because it's, it wasn't just a one a one issue deal. There was overall, there's many interferences that have to be dealt with. So I think when you look at it from the holistic perspective, and you really value improving every step of it, that's where you can have your most bang for your buck. But I do like how when you break it down and you understand the different cycles, you can see that there could, there could be steps along the way where there's more interferences. But I also want to make sure that we, we don't have this episode go without saying that there is a male component to this as well. And it, infertility ends up being a female issue, oftentimes the way it's looked at in society. And I yes, we are the ones that carry the child, but it's, it's a two-person job to get that baby in there. And I think so often women take it on themselves and we carry so much of the burden. When I work with women, it'll be, they'll go years of struggling to get pregnant before the male will even agree to get his sperm tested. And it's like, well, your husband's sitting at home. He's not getting adjusted. He's overweight. He's not working out. His testosterone's way off. At some point, we have got to look at him, and he's got to step up to the plate and do some further introspection on what role does he play here. Um, yeah. I do want to sh- do want to share um, how you, when you first started, you know, the purpose of our cycle and how innately it all works together. And there's so many there's so many intricate things that are happening without us even having to think about it. But our bodies are meant to get pregnant. You know, that is a normal, like that cycle happens. And so I, as my children get older and, you know, they are constantly investigating everything and, you know, I've gone through a phase where it's like, I'm really trying to commit to not doing tampons and doing the diva cup thing. And occasionally it'll be, you know, a situation where a kid walks in, in the middle of it. And I had to answer that question to my five-year-old. She said, mom, like, they are looking at me like, mom, what's wrong? Like, and if you've never made the transition, it's a little bit of a mess, you know, <laughs> like, as, you're, as you're navigating this whole thing. And I remember looking at her and telling her, "She said, why are you bleeding? Okay. Well, every month mommy's body prepares to have a baby and and so my body's getting ready for that and if we decide or for whatever reason my body doesn't have a baby in it then my body knows every month that it doesn't need all that preparation so it goes ahead and gets rid of it and then the next month it starts back over again and she's looking at me like why does it have to be such a gross process i'm like i don't know sweetheart like this is part of it like we'll, we'll talk we'll have that conversation later
2: anytime it comes to blood, one of my daughters is like, Oh my God, does it hurt so bad? Are you okay? <laughs> You're no, like, no, no, no. All right. Well, uh, A little bit of what you just said. All I could think about when doc, when, when you were just, Erin when you were going through that whole process was like thinking back to a health class. Remember the first time that you heard all of that? And I remember thinking like, as you were just re going through that, it's like, holy cow, what an intricate system. And all I could think about as you're going through all of that is like, think of all of the things, uh, again, we're going to get into this, but that our lifestyles can, can affect that process. Like all of the things that we can do that affect our hormones. Um, I'm excited to get to that part, but I won't jump ahead.
0: No, that's yeah. I get excited about that too. And I think it's really going to be super enlightening for, for our listeners. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on because, Sarah, I'm so glad you brought that up about men um, playing a role in fertility issues. And actually, I was reading one study as we were preparing for this. Um, it it even said that men's infertility is about 40% of the issue. So, like, um, I think it said something like women affect 40% of infertility and men affect 40%. And then there's like this 20%. Um, that there is unknown, like unknown causes. They don't know why the woman or the man, you know, they're both women and, and man, woman and man seem to be, you know, functioning okay. They can't figure out why they can't conceive. And so that's a really high number. And so I'm really glad that you brought that up because we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute too, but like, we'll have patients that come into the office for the first time and they're like, Hey, you know, I heard you were able to um, help my friend, you know, deal with some of the fertility issues she had. I really want you to check my spine and figure out where the interference is. Um, And, but my, you know, her husband wouldn't come in. And I'm like, you know, it it could be partly an issue with, with your husband too. Like we definitely want to get him checked. And so we'll talk about that in a little bit. So that's just something for couples to be aware of. Let's look at Physical issues, like what's physically happening for a woman to not have that cycle go according to plan. The biggest issue, according to our research, is failure to ovulate. So 40% of women who have trouble um, with their fertility are are dealing with a failure to ovulate. They're not releasing an egg. And this can be due to um, PCOS. It can be due to aging Endocrine issues like thyroid problems, hypothalamus problems, and then we deal with like lifestyle and environmental issues. Um, So that's really, you know, what what fires me up because when, when I see that, it's like, okay, well, this is something that we actually can control and we can impact our body's ability to ovulate. Being overweight or being underweight can impact your ability to ovulate. Exposure to environmental toxins, specifically pesticides. Okay, so pesticides, we find that on conventional produce. Really, it's hard to avoid unless you're growing your own food or you're really making it a point to buy all organic uh, to really avoid those chemicals. But there's been direct links between exposure to pesticides and ability to conceive or even ovulate. Low levels of thyroid hormone can actually interfere with your ability to um, release an egg. It, switching gears to looking at structural problems so some women actually have like blocked fallopian tubes which even if you ovulate the egg can't can't get down to where it can be fertilized um, endometriosis this is between 20 to 50 percent of women with infertility have some form of endometriosis endometriosis, excuse me, and then uterine fibroids can also um, play a structural role in infertility. And so once we understand like where the interference can happen, now we can kind of look at how the medical model approaches this. So the very first line of therapy for dealing with fer- fertility problems is IVF, in vitro fertilization. And according to our research, IVF, so this is where you're actually like taking a woman's egg and matching it with sperm in glass. That's what in vitro means. So outside of the body in glass, fertilizing an egg that's then going to be implanted back into the uterus um, with hopes for conception. And the numbers that I found looking at this is that IVF yields a 21% chance of having a full term live birth for women under the age of 35. So the cost of IVF, I found, was about ten dollars to $15,000 for a single treatment. Um, IVF babies make up 1% to 2% of uh, births in the U.S. every single year. So that's a lot of money, a lot, uh, and not a huge chance of success, according mm-hmm. to these numbers. I think that...
1: People will end up doing the 20%, though, because of the significant emotional strain of not being able to conceive or not being able to carry a baby. Yeah. I think when you look at that just based on numbers, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for a 20% chance of this working and all of the emotional strain, and typically there's heavy hormone therapies involved in that process where you this really takes a significant toll on the woman's body. It's this is a big deal to make the decision to do this. This is not just okay, wait till I ovulate and take out some eggs and then, you know, in a jar connect it with my husband's sperm and then put it back in and see what happens. Right. It, that that is a very um not realistic view of of what this therapy really looks like. It's it's a lot, but I think prior to not being able to get pregnant right away with a couple of my kids, I think I can see how even some holistically-minded people can end up there out of desperation, out of really feeling like I have no other choices, Um, and so I'll take a 20% chance. And to understand the complications that can come along with that for mom and babies, because oftentimes it's more than one baby, and there's really, this really is a, an emotional toll and physical toll
2: on, on the female. So there's a lot to consider there. And I would, I would say like living outside of the holistic world, you know, a lot of people aren't even given the opportunity or aren't aware of some of the things that we're going to go through next that can significantly increase your chances of getting pregnant naturally, right? Mm-hmm. So in the conventional world, it's, if this isn't, if this isn't, then it's okay, let's immediately jump to IVF and and see if that helps and see if that works for you before, you know, going through or like before going through everything that we're going to walk through that can actually help get your body ovulating better, help your cycle become more consistent and significantly increase your chances of, of naturally, you know, getting pregnant. So I just encourage people, you know, patients in our clinic, like let's, before you'd ever even consider that option, let's 100% go at this thing and exhaust all of the different things that we can do naturally to get your body functioning like it's designed to, to allow this process to naturally happen like like God intended.
1: Well, and I'm certain you guys have examples of this too, of patients that have been through multiple rounds of IVF. They come in to see you and then they suddenly end up pregnant. And it's like, well, IVF didn't work. And obviously there were fertility issues before that. I actually had one patient that came in for back pain, she was in her mid-40s. And so I take her through the process and, you know, we're, I, know why I'm, I know why I'm treating her, to clear her spine and to allow, you know, proper function to her body. She's here primarily just for the back pain. She mentions nothing to me about struggles with fer- fertility in the past and didn't bring it up. Husband wasn't, you know, involved in, in her care at all. So it just seemed like just her and it was really low back focused. And six months into her care, she pulls me aside and she says, um, would getting adjusted have caused me to get pregnant? And I, well, laying on the table, you're not just going to magically get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. fill me in on what's going on. And she shares with me all of her struggles. And she said her and her husband were not using any precautions because they had never been able to get pregnant. They'd done IVF 10 years prior, you know, years prior, and suddenly she ends up pregnant I th- she was probably 42 43 like, maybe not quite 45 yet and ends up and now she and now like we have this beautiful story of now this almost 10 year old little girl who's in here that she it was so far off her radar and so disconnected from why would me getting adjusted for my back pain have anything to do with this, but really goes to show the power of when you give the body the proper environment, it really can heal. And you really can reverse the biological clock by taking care of yourself. So super cool. And we'll we'll talk more specifics on how that happens. I know some of the other, um, Dr. and some of the other conventional um, routes to deal with infertility, things like surrogacy and hormonal therapy. Um, I have a close person in my life that, loves being pregnant and she has beautiful pregnancies. And she has always said, or had very much considered, she said, I would be a surrogate. When my when my family is complete, I would love to be a surrogate. I love being pregnant. I love everything about it. And then she had a close friend in her life who was unable to get pregnant and she came very close to offering to do it for them. But as she, in that process, she started looking up what she would have to do to be a surrogate. And there is tons of hormonal therapies that she would have had to go on to be able to be a surrogate for them. And she's decided for her own health and safety it wasn't the right thing. So there really is a lot of risk even in surrogacy for the woman who is considering doing it. Um, and then you know conventional hormone therapies, you really, anytime you go down that route, you're messing with physiology and you're crossing your fingers on the short-term game and throw, you know, rolling the dice with long-term health health implications that you're going to be facing at some point as a result of it.
0: Yep. And there are always risks like with any medication, um, any sort of therapy, there's always going to be side effects. Um, so like you guys said earlier, you know, we, we like to avoid doing the conventional model. Let's do like, let's, try to get your body functioning the way it's supposed to, remove the interference, um, and and just see what happens. And like you were saying, you know, I get so excited about all the stories coming out of even just our building alone, but hearing similar stories from your offices um, and, you know, other offices across the Max Living Network, um, other chiropractic clinics. Uh, You know, we've had, I think we've counted 13 babies born to women, in our clinic, not physically in our clinic, but women that have been receiving care in our clinic. Um, these are women who were told they'd not, they were not going to have children naturally. They had tried, you know, conventional methods. One woman spent fifty grand on IVF. She did conceive and had a beautiful daughter, but then came to us. And similar story, Sarah, to what you were talking about, Um, we didn't realize that she had been dealing with infertility. We were just removing the interference and correcting her spine. And she got pregnant with her son. And she's like, well, wait a second. Like, I had to spend all this money, go through IVF and all the emotional roller coaster of all of that. Um, And this is the only thing I've done differently. The only thing I've done differently is getting my spine corrected. Could this have impacted my ability to get pregnant? And we're like, oh my gosh, yes, this happens all the time, actually. Um, and it's so cool and you know another mom was came into our clinic for literally she's like I heard that several women actually were able to um, conceive after they got their spines corrected um, and that's actually the only reason why I'm here and now she's got three beautiful babies and it's just like such a cool testament to the power of the body because we didn't do anything we didn't get them pregnant, right? Like we just remove the interference so that their bodies can do what they're created to do. And that's why I love what we do as chiropractors is really just looking for the interference and removing it and then getting out of the way and letting the body do what it's supposed to do.
2: Exactly. And for, for some of you, like if you aren't, if you're listening, you're not familiar with chiropractic, you're like, well, wait, what in the world is a chiropractic adjustment? do to allow somebody to get pregnant, you know? So like just backing that up for a second, if you aren't familiar, like, you know, very simply, like your brain controls everything in the body and it communicates to your nervous system and your spine protects that. So, you know, research shows, we all see it in our practices every single day. Like when your spine is out of alignment, it affects the nerve impulses that get through. So anytime, again, you've, you've likely heard us say this before, but whatever the health issue is that's going on, whether it's infertility or just wanting to make sure your body's functioning at its best removing the subluxation, like making sure that your spine is healthy, it's in good alignment, so the signals from your brain can get through, um, that's exactly how that happens. So, you know, a lot of times it's the low back nerves, you know, nerves in the low back, like somebody came in for low back pain, those same nerves innervate your entire reproductive, all of your reproductive organs, you know, down there. So if the right signals aren't getting through, that alone can affect whether or not your body is ovulating or if your cycle is regulated. Um, Specifically, I've had, A couple patients that this has happened to, but one um, specifically uh, that, you know, right now she was a lawyer and, you know, she had struggled getting pregnant for over a year. So she started doing testing. Um, she wasn't a patient in our office at the time, but her husband was, and they found out that her thyroid was off. And if your thyroid hormones are off, that also can prevent your body from ovulating normally, um, or it can prevent ovulation. So uh, they wanted to take her thyroid out. They wanted her to get on thyroid medications. There was all these different things. And she was very skeptical of chiropractic, but she finally came in and she's like, this is my last shot. I'll give this a try. We'll see if this works. If not, I'm going to go the conventional route because that's what her, her husband was pushing her to come into the clinic. And sure enough, like she's a lawyer, she sits at a computer all day long, had for years, and she lost, had lost hundred percent of the cervical curve in her neck. And, um, the nerves in the middle of the neck, which is most affected from that go directly to the thyroid. So I, all I told her was, I, you know, I know that this is affecting the function of your thyroid. So the goal is, is let's improve this as much as possible. And she had gotten testing right before she came into the clinic after going through like a four month corrective plan in the clinic, her x-rays improved, the curve uh, had improved and she um, was that skeptical, skeptical person. So she was like, I'm gonna go back and get the testing done and see what happened. And sure enough, within four months, like her numbers were all normalized. And literally she had been trying to get pregnant for over a year. So literally almost a year and a half by then. And two months after that, they're pregnant. You know, like we all have those stories, but so amazing when, you know, chiropractic is, I would say the most important thing when it comes to fertility is just making sure we're removing inter- interference to how your body's created to function. And you think about that, like when, when you're going through the cycles, when all of a sudden your brain senses that the estrogen is increased, all of a sudden it tells your body to then ovulate, you know, if that communication process isn't happening, um, then that totally affects just your entire physiology and, and this whole process.
1: And then I do want to say that I have stories similar to that as well. And then I also have stories of longtime patients that desire to grow their family and they have, you know, and they can't. And we're we've done all of the things and You know, and it's been years and we're taking care of their spine and they're falling along nutritionally and they're taking the right supplements and we've done the testing and just for whatever reason, it's just not happening. And I think there, there does have to be a component of saying, of surrender. And releasing the process, releasing it to, okay, I have done my part here. And if this happens, it will happen. Um, I've had that happen with two patients where they finally then decided, okay, I'm releasing it. I'm done. Um, I cannot live month to month like this. This is way too much of an emotional. Every 28 days going through the same thing, I can't do it. Um, And so two of them decided to adopt. And one of them, as, as soon as the adoption went through, bam, she wound up pregnant. You know, and it was just like, okay, maybe there was that stress component that we just needed to fully let go. And I don't have the secret, you know, formula for how to remove all of the variables. So that's why we look at it as holistically as we can and we start chipping away at it bit by bit. So let's go through, I know we we did chiropractic, but let's just go through sort of a step-by-step or some ideas on ways to increase fertility. I'll just start with number one right off the bat by saying it's a two-person issue. So vast majority of everything that we talk about is not just for the female to do. This is for uh, both people in the relationship to participate in. So the vast majority of what we will talk about is that. Um, Something that we didn't have on our list, but I do want to include, is that if you are or you missed our episode on the pill and natural family planning, it's a big deal. If you desire to get pregnant down the road, I really do think you should consider getting off the pill very quickly and allowing your body to reset. And that's probably one of the first things that we need to do. I think if women hadn't spent, I'm seeing women now that have been on the pill for 15 to 20 years and it's like, we can do everything right. And we still have a lot we just need time. And we might run out of time at some point here before the biological clock you know, stops ticking here. So, the sooner we can understand that and make that shift, that will be really important. I know, Dr. Natalie, you just you touched on chiropractic care. Do you have any more specifically you want to add to that component?
2: I just wanted to actually jump in um, real quick when you were talking about just that surrendering and the effect that that can have on your body just mentally surrendering because again it is an emotional roller coaster as we've talked about and actually managing your stress so like if you're if you're stressed out if you specifically even have a stress around you know, getting pregnant and managing that cycle every single month. I think that that word surrender is so amazing and like letting it go and letting go of that stress and physiologically, like your thoughts affect your hormones and your hormones actually directly affect your cycle. I think that, is potentially one of the biggest takeaways that um, you know going through this journey could really have on someone. Um, one study specifically like measured the levels of an enzyme linked with stress in the saliva of women who were trying to get pregnant over a one-year time span, and um, it's an enzyme called alpha amylase. They were basically measuring; um, it's an enzyme that also helps your body digest carbohydrates, but it's also linked to that fight or flight stress response. And if you're in a stressed out mode, that um, that enzyme increases. So they were testing this with women. And the research found that the women with the highest levels of amylase had a 29% lower likelihood of getting pregnant compared to the women who had the lowest levels of that enzyme. So there is a scientific, you know, yes, your thoughts, but that that word surrender can actually scientifically affect your hormones, which can affect your cycle too. So
0: glad that you shared that because I feel like that's... Um... I know at least I've got a, a friend that I'm I'm kind of going through some of these steps with and stress is actually, in my opinion, like probably one of the biggest factors that that is affecting her cycle. And so now she's Um, taking time every single day to do like 30 minutes of meditation and she's gardening and doing things that just naturally bring calm to her. And so she's like scheduling those things into her day. And so we're going to see kind of how that, how that starts to affect her cycle, but that's huge. I think looking at some of the the obvious things that we can be doing is like nutrition, nutritionally analyzing your diet, having um, you know like a holistic practitioner kind of look at what you're eating on a daily basis. I typically will look at somebody's. Um, like a diet or a food journal that's like a three-week food journal. So I can look at patterns and look at things that they're maybe eating or not eating that could impact the overall health and function of their body. I'm not, I don't necessarily want them eating foods, you know, to treat infertility. Like that's not really what we're going for. We're looking at kind of the body as a whole. What does the body need to be nourished and to do what it's supposed to do? But typically what we'll find is if we do like some advanced testing is we'll find that their women are low in antioxidants. Um, They're eating foods that are like high glycemic. So some of these women are even pre-diabetic or diabetic. Um, They're not eating enough healthy fats. Um, They're not supplementing with like an omega fatty acid. Um, So all these things can impact uh, our hormonal production and our body's ability to just Again, do what it's supposed to do. um i I will tell you that, like in women that I've specifically you know worked with who deal with fertility problems, they're nine times out of ten. Their omega three fatty acid levels are like super low or even non-existent. They're not supplementing with them. The body um, actually will become depleted of these really, really quickly if you're not getting them naturally in your diet or if you're not supplementing. And this can really affect your body's ability to produce all hormones, um, but also obviously, you know, fertility hormones as well. So we start supplementing with those. Um, we start, you know, implementing more antioxidant-rich foods, low glycemic foods. Um, so not a ton of like. Carbs and you know super sugary food, uh fruits, um, but getting again those low glycemic foods to help bring um, blood sugar le- levels down naturally help our insulin sensitivity improve, um, and we see some really really cool results after women start doing that. What about exercise?
2: Yes, let me jump in on that. So I mean exercise specifically um, again a lot of this all re- like when you're talking about diet like it all revolves around trying to balance your hormones naturally, you know? So as you're saying, like the, you know, really like trying to pr- increase insulin sens- sensitivity by not consuming tons of carbs and lots of high sugar, you know, processed foods, as you were saying, is a, is a big piece of that. Um, but also when you exercise that helps to naturally Balance your hormones as well. So I, you know, especially to a woman who's going through this, I recommend um, like HIIT training, like interval training and really getting into that fat burning zone is what will really help to have that afterburn effect. That's going to increase testosterone. It's going to rebalance your cortisol levels. It's going to release the natural endorphins. And it's also going to help to boost your metabolism, which again, all in turn relates right back to this. So, you know, anywhere from, you know, a minimum of three up to, you know, four, five days a week of doing a minimum of 20 to 30 minutes of uh, like a hit training type workout, whatever that may look like for you, um, is just getting into a good habit of consistent exercise, I think is the most important thing to consider there.
1: For and women it- that are, in my experience, for women that are already working out and they're trying that component of it to be healthy and they're struggling with fertility, I recommend to them, I don't know if you guys do this, but I recommend to them to make a change so if they have been heavy into crossfitting or hit workouts or they've been big into distance running and they're struggling with fertility issues, I'll sometimes just recommend, hey, let's just change it. Let's do a 180 on how you're working out. Let's reset. And I think that there's a lot to be said for having a dynamic relationship with, with your workout and particularly when it's when you're really trying hard to see a health outcome change to change other things that you're doing can be can be really important along the way as well so sometimes some women I'm like okay no more no like let's take a break from the high intensity workouts and let's have you walk for 45 minutes with no phone no headphones no music observe nature and let's have you do that for 45 minutes five days a week let's try that for 2 weeks and let's see how that makes you feel
0: yeah i love that Um, just like some small tweaks. And again, like looking at the research, you know, women typically the, the sweet spot for, um, you know, just adequate fertility is to have your percent body fat between 20 and 25 percent. And so typically you can go to a gym and do like a body fat scan. Um, I know we've got a scanner in our office and um, we'll use that for women that are trying to lose weight or women that are really trying to optimize their lean um, muscle mass. Um, But even women that are struggling with fertility, like I'll make sure that they've got enough body fat um, or we can kind of tweak it if if they want to lose Body fat to get to that sweet spot of 20 to 25% body fat. And for whatever reason, that's just kind of where the body likes to likes to be. Um, because once we go below that, the body starts sacrificing systems that are not necessary for survival. And this could be a whole nother topic. Um, but it's really interesting to see how the body responds to, like in a state of starvation, how it will um, really just kind of shut down the reproductive cycle, shut down that system to preserve energy because it's not getting enough calories. So that's just one way to look at why the body would do that. And it's very brilliant to do that because it's obviously trying to survive. We don't need to um, necessarily carry babies to term if we're just really trying to survive. And so if you look at the body like that, it's actually the body doing a really good thing. So women that might not be consuming adequate calories, you know, that's a that's a big component. So well, again, we-
1: you can see that. Um- I remember I had heard about keto through my, you know, just b- by the nature of the world that we live in. Patients were, had been talking about keto for years, and I had never fully done it myself. I had never said, okay, I'm going to go full keto so I get a full understanding, and I'm going to research it, and I'm going to do a workshop on it, and I'm going to commit to doing it for myself six months before I w- go teach someone else on it. And I'll tell you, my cycle changed. I, I, my carbs I took way too low. My hair started to fall out. My, my period started coming later. My energy levels changed, and it was like, oh my goodness, there's something to be said here about how this is affecting my hormones. And I had to realize. So keto can be a, a hot topic, and someone who is trying to lose weight or get healthier, or hey, maybe I should do that because maybe that will help my fertility. Or I, you know, uh, many women are over that 25% body fat, and that's maybe what's affecting their fertility. Um, keto might not be. The, the right thing for you to jump right into. And in fact, in many ways, I think it isn't um, I think there's a safe way to do it for to balance a woman's hormones, but um, that involves eating carbohydrates at specific times during the months when your hormones need that support to be able to go through the proper um, four-step process of ovulation and the whole cycle. Um, so really, nutritionally, there's, there's a lot to consider there. Um, and you can just, if you have close observation of your own body and your own cycle, you can start to learn how these things are being affected by the foods that you eat.
0: That's a really good point. And I think we probably could do an entire episode on like carbohydrate cycling throughout the throughout your your um, menstrual cycle. Um, that would be pretty fascinating to talk about and dive into. But I think we've kind of covered everything we can today. And we are so thankful for all of our listeners. And we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us today on the Mom Docs podcast. If you enjoyed listening to the show, the greatest compliment you can give is to share this with others and leave us a review on iTunes. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll never miss an episode. We'll see you next time.